slogan. In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Every person must submit to the authorities in power, for all authority comes from God. Governments hold no terrors for the law-abiding, but only for the criminal. So continue to do right, and you will have their approval. Romans 13, verses 1 and 3. As parents, we don't want to see our children hurting themselves or falling into traps of misinformation. So we make sure that we protect them from environments that are harmful. Busy streets, taking lists from strangers, the internet. And then we talk to them about these things, to tell them the truth as far as we can without frightening them unduly. Hopefully when they become independent, they'll be able to decide for themselves which leaders, be they at work, leisure, or in their neighbourhoods, as well as in the government, are to be trusted and respected, and where danger lies for their bodies and souls. By being trained to submit to our parental authority as their first rulers, they'll be able to submit to God's divine authority leading to respect and obedience for their government. Growing up to be law-abiding citizens, they will only need fear the government if they're doing wrong. However, this teaching of Paul's doesn't mean we're to blindly obey all governments. Otherwise, we wouldn't have our founding fathers who fled the oppression of Britain for America or Dietrich Bonhoeffer who spoke up against Hitler. If the government is obviously riddled with evil, then we should try to obey as much as we can, but not blindly. Then we should support those who stand up for the good, someone who obviously has God's authority and isn't afraid to use it. Let's pray for fearless, godly leaders so we can submit prayerfully and obediently, as Paul says, all authority comes from God. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Jennifer Foster. Together, we're going to ask the question, can we be protective parents and still respect our children's privacy? And to what cost? I'll also be excerpting from my book, talking about moving my daughter out of her digs, relishing a part of the country I've never visited before, and touching on a few plays we went to see. All this done against a backdrop of rain, rain, and more rain. I've hot chocolate today to celebrate the return of winter in midsummer and a piece of Christmas pudding to seal the seasonal mood shift. So have a little sit down for an hour and listen up. Well, Malia was going to be staying in town, as I said last week, during her rehearsals, but her friends told her the hotel rooms and apartments were so tiny, her body couldn't even lie on the floor, let alone comfortably spend the night. This wouldn't be suitable for my child. I told her we'd make it work and her brave blue-eyed pups heads up to town every evening to collect her from the theatre and bring her home. The first night she joined the McDonald munching crowd on the train. They always fill the carriages with these delicious smells when we travel home late after seeing a show and it makes the old taste buds work over time. 
I think she's happier here anyway. At least she has the comfort of her electric blanketed bed. Yes, we're still using them. And a large bathroom and a kitchen with a couple of talented cooks. She keeps hurting her hip, though, so physiotherapist mom has told her to rest it and not dance full out to save herself for the shows this weekend. We've little over a, a week before we leave, and can you believe that we haven't exchanged the contracts on the flat yet? My lawyer's bemused and wonders why the mortgage is still hanging on for my buyer. Does it bode ill? I hope not. My brother's in a bit of a panic, thinking there'll be too much work for him if it falls through. Hello, I think, and placate him with a gentle reminder that the flat will be completely empty and thoroughly cleaned by the time I leave, so no worries there. Well, I'm going to jump into my book excerpt now, continuing from the chapter In the Light, Advocates, Not Adversaries. I've only one child left to finish off, and we embark on the search for suitable colleges to transfer to once she graduates with her Associates of Arts degree. With short-term goals safely on the list, we gradually begin to ease into exploring her long-term interests and talents. We believe that the God-given gifts bestowed on us at birth are to be used to further his kingdom, a very broad phrase, and one that can be moulded and honed to suit just about every teenager that's passed through my hands. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Come on, Jesus! Seek ye first the kingdom of God. With unemployment ever present in our house and a shaky financial future forever on the horizon, money was never modelled as the driving force for our family when choosing a career path. Lack of money was a cause for concern many times, and that can be as debilitating as too much money. So our example to our children was to show them that being happy and fulfilled in life was what mattered most. A friend of mine further endorsed what we were attempting to do when she said, no matter how little or how much money you have, you always have just enough. Malia, as a result of a lot of chats over cups of tea in the afternoons after our naps, was finally able to articulate that which she loved doing most. She said, I want to perform. In all honesty, she didn't like everything that led up to the eventual standing in the footlights, but she definitely enjoyed the limelight. When she was four and performing in her first recital, she went on stage for all of two minutes and came off flushed and excited and ready to do it again and again and again. I love being on stage, she said, thoroughly awestruck, a sentiment that remains with her today. During the spring of this year, she finally gave up the ballet company. A lot of tension had built up in the studio and her teachers were pushing her to an extent she didn't feel comfortable with. Her knees and hips hurt from the merciless turnout of the classical style and she was hobbling around like an old lady. When she left, I thought she'd never dance again. A year later, I noticed that the local college had a dance company who was staging a spring performance to showcase what they did and encourage interested dancers to audition for the fall semester. I took her along and she sat with me mesmerized. At the end of it, she said, I could do that. It wasn't ballet, and she thought it looked as though it may not be as taxing on her body. But before auditioning, she had to take the college entrance exams that she'd been studying for without really feeling any pressure. She was halfway through her 16th year and did well, as she was motivated by the promise of a chance to join the college dance ensemble, if she was still able to perform after a year's break. She passed her exams and was accepted into the ensemble and started the new academic year as the youngest member of the troupe and enrolled in a couple of core classes. 
Her college life had begun and we were both excited. I could see the light. She enjoyed an easy and close relationship with professors who had also taught her brothers. This continuity was beneficial for her. The classes were small and she was able to settle in well and keep up her grade point average. As it turned out, Malia and her determination to shine became her body's own worst enemy. During the second semester of Colin Ensemble, she broke out in a dreadful rash all over her body. It didn't take me long to diagnose the problem, stress-induced hives. Her whole body was a mass of welts that moved daily and indiscriminately from her scalp to the soles of her feet and everywhere in between. She saw specialists who'd never seen such a stubborn outbreak. She was prescribed vast doses of antihistamines, which some pharmacists refused to fill. She took combinations of medications to help ease the itching and spreading, but nothing helped. Her doctor suggested she give up dancing, but she was in the middle of a semester and pushed on. She was a trooper to the end and danced as if no one was watching. Fortunately, the hives couldn't be seen by the audience from the stage. When the semester finished and all her performances and photo shoots were under her belt, miraculously, as quickly as they'd appeared, they disappeared. That was a six-month stint she will never forget. She did an audition for the ensemble again, recognising the intense pressure she put herself under to be the best. She did continue taking advanced dance classes, and after her initial shock of what had happened to her wore off, she admitted to me that despite her setbacks and the revolt of her body, dancing was what she wanted to do with her life. I encouraged her to investigate colleges that offered dance degrees, and she talked to fellow performers at the theatre to find a few potential local places. She didn't want to go too far away from home, rather enjoying the idea of coming back for a good cooked meal whenever the need beset her, as her older brother a and was doing. I experienced for a few short weeks the thrill of taking my daughter to visit college campuses. Each one filled her with enthusiasm and excitement for a few days, and then the initial impression wore off and she moved on to the next college. Although she liked most of the campuses and programs, the main problem was the required academics she would need to be accepted into the college proper before she could audition for the dance department. She began to hit the brick wall of lethargy and indecision when she was faced with additional math classes, two extra sciences and foreign languages. She'd have to take summer classes and winter semesters in order to qualify for the four-year colleges she was looking at where the dance departments were offering a BSc in movement kinesiology in order to be considered a valid degree. Not only would she be dancing, but she'd be learning about the body, its injuries, how it moves, and lots of random technicalities that held no interest for her. The girl wanted to dance, not analyse every move her body made. It was becoming clear to us that going to college may not be the way for her performing heart. Malia was becoming frustrated and I had visions of another hive outbreak, so in true motherly fashion I decided to take the helm. I quickly found two schools in England that offered dance and performing arts and nothing else. The one, the London Contemporary Dance Company, was conducting auditions in San Francisco in the new year, and the other, College in Essex by the Sea, would accept a DVD audition. She needed a dance, and I found a choreographer, and together we went for several sessions, and she learned a beautiful lyrical piece that showed her off to full advantage. And using her influence at the college, we filmed her audition in the Black Box Theatre and sent it off to England and booked a flight to San Francisco. We are good travellers, so our trip to the West Coast incorporated sightseeing over the weekend. We went to Alcatraz, a total success because she has a morbid fascination with all things prison camps, having begged me to take her to Dachau the year before when we visited my mother in her new flat in London. Not surprisingly, 
She was accepted at both schools and we went on another couple of campus visits, only this time a bit further afield. We stayed with my mum and visited the one in the centre of London first, which was too noisy and busy for her, although we observed a couple of classes. The students and faculty didn't seem very warm. The facility was up to date and spacious and the location was perfect for shows and city life, but it just wasn't her. She'd already warned me that she would know when the right school presented itself. The other school in Essex won her vote hands down, warm and friendly. She took a couple of classes and spent four hours observing, participating and being wooed by students and faculty alike. And I have to go on a really short break now, but I will be back in 90 seconds, so don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. My guest this week is Jennifer Foster, who has a doctorate in education from the University of Pittsburgh. She's been an educator for more than 20 years, serving as a full-time and adjunct professor. Her experience includes teaching emerging technologies such as social media to college students. Jennifer also reaches out to families of drug-addicted children to help them deal with the crisis within their homes in a targeted and personal manner. As founder of Secret Drug Test, she acts as a parent empowerment provider 
by giving information, advice, and comforting support through her blog and website. Jennifer's mission is to equip parents with the tools necessary for families to regain control of their lives and become empowered to take action when they find themselves in a crisis situation. Welcome to my show today, Jennifer. How are you? Hi, Vivian. Thank you. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Be glad to see the back of the rain. (laughs) What's the weather like there? Um, Sunny and hot. We're going to maybe hit 100 tomorrow. So so where are you? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Oh, lucky you. I'm actually looking forward. I'm coming back in just over a week and um, after a year, and I'm really looking forward to some sunshine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about where you grew up and your childhood? Okay. Well, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, lifelong resident, Mm -hmm. and I um, educated myself here, and I've raised my family here, Mm -hmm. and I'm currently a mother of a seven-year-old, so Mm -hmm. my claim to fame is I had her when I was 45, so (laughs) my midlife child. Yeah. I'm a college professor, and I'm starting my endeavor into the business world, and mm-hmm. it's been um, quite an endeavor, I must say, to, to take what I use with technology and to take a message about um, drug use, drug addiction, and use the Internet as a tool to help parents, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of shame involved with yeah. Addiction and the internet is a great place to get help. And mm-hmm. uh, Google is usually the place where parents turn first. Well, um, Jennifer, you said you have a seven-year-old daughter. Is she your only child? Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, okay, so you've got all the joys of. Well, I mean, I loved my children when they were that age, you know. And then we come through into the teenage years as I've been sort of reading in my book. And, um, you know, we're not immune, even if we homeschool, we're just not immune to the problems that are out there um, for our children. Um, uh, Let's talk a little bit about your company. Your company is Act Now, correct? Um, Secretdrugtest.com is the company. And Act Now is the system, which is a combination of information and products. Okay. And so your, your um, secret drug test is your company, and you run it completely on the Internet, or do you do any um, live presentations? Do you do any face-to-face consulting? Well, it's a new business, so I've been doing outreach in my local area, mm-hmm. and I've been making contacts, and contacts have been you know, turning into more contacts. So I've not been doing face-to-face, but I definitely want to. The, the, person, the, the person-to-person and the face-to-face and the outreach in my local area is very important to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I look forward to the day when I'm getting more opportunities to speak in front of groups of parents. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, currently it's yep. been Internet-based. So give us some um, background as to what brought you to the decision um, that you made to help parents face up to this threat of drugs in their children's lives. Well, my decision came out of family crisis and family loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, Six years ago, I lost my brother, Mm -hmm. and he died of an overdose. And my basic premise for the whole endeavor is that uh, 
drug addiction starts in teen years, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with experimentation and exploration, and it starts young. And if you work with children that are um, under your, your legal wing, so 18 years old and under, or, mm-hmm. or minor children, you have a lot more influence, uh, power, and authority mm-hmm. to identify things and to get help. So mm-hmm. it lost. Um, you know, I went through 35 years of misery just watching what was happening in my family. And mm-hmm. there are so many days when I just want to run away. And mm-hmm. I just tell myself that this is, this is my calling. Mm-hmm. I, I never had a calling before. And this is my calling. I must bring this to people who suffer. Because if you're a parent suffering with a child who's addicted or beginning the process, You'll want to run away, too, but when it's your child, you can't. So mm. I, I mm. feel grateful that I can give what I have to others who get stuck in this parent trap. And, and, and this happens to everybody. It's not just a particular section of society, correct? Oh, correct. Addiction knows no, no boundaries. Mm-hmm. None. And, and what's, all, what, what's the most commonplace today that we would find um, children being exposed to drugs? Uh, do you mean types of, of drugs? No, well, or the place, the place. Where, 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 yeah, situations. Well, it's interesting. We think about kids going into undesirable neighborhoods, interacting with undesirable people, but drug addiction is um, it's pervasive. So I think as parents we need to really wake up and realize that a lot of our kids are getting their drugs on the Internet, and that's a shocking um, concept. Um, you're not buying heroin and marijuana and cocaine on the Internet. Instead, our, our children are buying these synthetic drugs, these new designer drugs, and they are um, quickly and easily found on the Internet. Um, so the names of these would be Spice, which is a synthetic marijuana, um, bath salt, which are synthetic um, amphetamine or stimulant-type drugs, and dragonfly, which is a um, a hallucinogenic, it's a a synthetic LSD. Mm. So these three types of drugs are called designer drugs, and they're made in um, overseas labs. They could be made in domestic labs. They could be made in... Um, homes from kind of like bathtub chemists. Mm. But as parents, we just really need to wake up to the fact that these situations are not just face-to-face interactions with um, friends or older siblings of friends. These are, are things that people are getting a hold of on the Internet, and we all really need to be super vigilant in our own medicine cabinets. That's where our youngest children get started with drug addiction, and prescription drug abuse is the fastest rising category of drugs being abused. So if you, as an adult, went to the dentist, had some dental work, had some uh, pain relief meds, you took most of them, not all of them, and put them back in the cupboard, that's the place where our kids are finding their drugs, whether it's yours or your um, children's friends' medicine cabinets, but we have to be hyper-vigilant about what we're leaving around in our own homes for especially the youngest children. 
So, Jennifer, if I if if my child, say if my fourteen year old, brought spice or bath salts or the dragonfly into my home, would I recognize it as a drug? Um, it depends. Um, the The spice has an appearance of a shredded plant material, mm-hmm. so it. So that might be a bit suspicious in your child's room. Right. It resembles marijuana, but um, the packaging says that it's an incense. So you you could think maybe it's just something to burn and smell good in the room. Mm. Um, Bath salts look powdery. Mm -hmm. Uh, How many powdery substances do you see lying around? I mean, Mm -hmm. there might be bath powder, Mm -hmm. or this might really look like a drug. So... um, the the packaging will have names on it that are kind of friendly and fun and kind of make parents think, well, you know, maybe a herbal incense isn't something to be concerned about, but really it's something that they're smoking and it's synthetic mm-hmm. and it's chemicals and it's really bad. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we need to look at packaging and words and street slang for drugs and be aware of those things as well. Mm-hmm. And, it's daunting. Um, yeah, on your on your web, I know. And can you? What kind of people are they out there that are doing this? And are they are they young? Are they kids or are they older? Are they adults? Do we know? Um, kids, high school seniors are the largest population of people using spice, the synthetic marijuana. And, and by you by using, do you mean actually, you know? taking it and selling it or just using it? Well, they don't really, I I mean, I guess if you're buying it off the internet, you could buy more and sell it, but they're buying it off the internet. Yeah. So I'm, so the people on the internet, the dealers are on the internet. What, who are they? Do you Um, know? Well, it's, it's legal because the, the, the drugs that are making it, that they're making it from are still legal, but the combinations are not. Um, I mean, I haven't bought any. Dr. Oz did it on his show, and he, within like a minute or two, was able to buy Dragonfly. mm -hmm. So um, some of the websites are overseas, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not real sure where they're coming from. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking the the kind that pushes to me, drug dealers to me are just, uh, you know, sort of they're they're you know, dreadful people to um, do this, you know, to our children. And now it's the computer. Now it's the computer, but there's somebody, there's a, there's a human being behind the computer. And that's kind of my message to parents that we yeah. have to to put aside what we used to think and really get in tune with what young kids are interested in today mm. and why they're so attracted to these designer drugs and um, how they're getting them. And it, it, yeah. it's yeah. apparently very simple. And do they get together in groups to use them, or is this uh, something that they do on their own? Um, well, typically what ends up in the news are um, parties yeah. where one child will have the drug and share it with others and in um, the state of Oklahoma um, three high schoolers died and I think six went to the hospital Mm. and that tends to be what's in the news. Jennifer we have to go on a short break but we'll be back in 90 seconds to continue our conversation.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Jennifer, what clues are we going to get from our children that perhaps there's something wrong and they may be doing something? Do we want do we want to wait until we're absolutely certain? Or at what point does a red flag go up with our children? Well, good questions. Um, there are signs and symptoms. And my best advice on this is um, the aware parent has the safest children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look at your kids, listen to your kids, talk to your kids, help them talk with you. Um, When we start thinking about drugs, then you want to start looking around and observing what they're doing, who they're doing it with. What do they look like? What did they look like maybe a couple of weeks ago? What's changed about them appearance-wise? Maybe they're um, more secretive than they were. Maybe you're seeing things around the house. Maybe there are unexplained dents on the vehicle. So you you need to be aware. And no amount of drug testing is going to to take the place of an aware parent, an actively involved, engaged parent. Um, The drug testing product that I offer helps the parent know for sure. So when you start seeing red flags, 
you could then test and find mm -hmm. out. Okay, but, so you, you have a secret test, drug test. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us how that works? Because you're, you're obviously not going, well, I don't think you recommend that you go to your child and say, are you taking drugs and I want to take you to have you tested. That's really not going to work. Well, I think that's the best and the proactive way to do it. If you see signs that your child is using drugs, if you find drugs, if you think your child is high, you should do that. You know, Pack them in get the car them and take them to get them tested. Yeah. Okay. But that's not always doable. It's not always um, something that a parent feels comfortable doing. In, doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, lives are complex. Uh, everybody enters into this conversation on drug testing from a different background and a different perspective. Um, that would be the proactive parent who saw something and immediately took action. And I think that is the best policy to um, take the child to uh, a lab or a medical profession. But the, the timing of that is critical. I mean, the body will metabolize drugs and so forth, so you only have a short period of time. So as, after you watch your child and you look for changes and, and um, signs and you possibly write some of these down, that's one of the things I advocate is uh, keeping a log or a journal. And I actually have a downloadable one on the, the, the website. Mm -hmm. and it's just a Word document so you can modify it. But basically you could just write down dates and what you saw, what you were suspicious about, who your child was with, what the child was doing, you know, what the symptoms and signs were. But as you want to enter into the conversation about drug testing, then you could um, institute a educational process for yourself. So you asked me earlier about ACT Now, and I said ACT Now is a system. It's a system of education and products, and then it results in action. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't think your child is using drugs, you could get answers by doing these secret drug tests. And the reason they're secret is they're, they don't involve your child being present for the drug test. You mm -hmm. test a surface for mm -hmm. a drug residue. So mm -hmm. if your child uses drugs, touches drugs, and then touches something like um, a phone, or maybe your child does drugs in your home and is doing them on a windowsill or a mirror. You could mm -hmm. test the substance. But these are very interesting and unique tests in that they can pick up residue that's minute and um, potentially invisible. So it, it's really a very incredible tool. But that's the piece of secret mm -hmm. that is um, unique. You, you don't need to have your child present or participating in the process. You can just test for residue. Mm. Right. So um, we would go maybe into their room when they weren't there and um, we could do this test. Yes. On a surface. And, um, you know, how there, there are going to be some, some parents and some families who, you know, they don't want to invade their child's privacy. And, you know, how, how far do we go? How far do we take being a protective parent? 
Well, you're only, you've, seen, you've seen the end result. You've seen what's happened. Yeah, you know. I was just ready to say the end result yeah. is that you need to protect your child. Yeah. That was all in, in the same question. How far do we go into protecting our child? Yeah. So um, I believe that honest, open, upfront communication is your best tool. Mm-hmm. So if you feel that you can talk to your child and get honest answers, I think that's the best policy. Mm-hmm. If you are suspicious about your child using drugs, then that's where I believe that the child's rights to privacy are pretty much gone. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it then becomes your job as a parent to protect your child, mm-hmm. and, and you'll start to move towards um, actions that may be perceived as more invasive mm-hmm. and um, snooping mm-hmm. and um, distasteful and disdainful to mm-hmm. people who are observing this. But the, the main thing here is that um, they probably don't have this problem in their house and they can afford to be judgmental about the, um, the, the distastefulness of snooping. And yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to put your child's life at risk to mm-hmm. not be caught up in the court of common opinion about snooping. And it really is a lightning rod issue. It, it is a polarizing issue. To snoop mm-hmm. or to not snoop, but I I just call it protecting your child. And mm-hmm. once you're suspicious, uh, I feel it's your obligation and your parental duty to protect your child and and move forward with uh, getting answers so that you can get help. Well, if you was if you suspected any kind of abuse, you're legally bound to report it. So this is a different it's it's abuse in a way, isn't it? Of, of is selling something like that on the internet to these underage children and then they're, you know, sort of suffering um, mm-hmm. uh, from the from the result of, of taking the drug or using the drug and, you know, there's the peer pressure there and that. And so, yes, definitely you are. You right, are there, there are mandatory reporters in um, schools and in daycare systems mm-hmm. and in all kinds of situations where people have ongoing contact with your children. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you brought that up because that also reminds me of some other things that maybe aren't quite as um, controversial for parents. So think about um, parental controls on television, mm-hmm. on movies, on um, the fact that you might pick up your child's phone and read um, text messages or mm-hmm. check who's called, or maybe mm-hmm. you visit your child's Facebook page or mm-hmm. see what chat rooms they're in or what IMs they're involved in. Um, you know, back to the good old-fashioned days when maybe your son would have a, a, a Playboy magazine hidden under his bed. You know, would mm-hmm. you confront him with the fact that he had um, pornography in his bedroom or would mm-hmm. you uh, walk away and leave it? Mm-hmm. So. These issues are all there, and you have to decide what your threshold is and what actions that you want to take. So, you know, back to the system, um, there's a a very wonderful website. I use it all the time. It's called um, drugfree.org. So all one word, Mm drugfree.org. And when you go to this website, and it's a very large organization in the States, and it is... um, 
um, in the news quite a bit and has some prevalent people on its board. But drugfree.org, when you go to their site, they have two directions to take you. As soon as you enter the site, they cut the chase. Prevention or intervene. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's their message. So if you find that you're in a phase where you can prevent, you know, good for you. Um, now take action. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, in a, a phase of this where you need to intervene, then they have these um, great reports for prevention and intervene. They're um, beautifully written and they look nice. They're .pdf files. You can download them. You can save them on your computer. You can print them. And they help you with both phases of this process, preventing or intervening. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. So when, when you enter into this conversation, you really just have to see what you are encountering in your world and are you suspicious or are you feeling that your child is um, still successfully avoiding the minefield of, of drug addiction and maybe um, the prevention document would help you put a few more things in place and have a few conversations with your child that are positive and effective and um, preventative, because that's really where you want to start this is prevention. But not everybody enters into this at the early stages. Well, and, and Jennifer, as a parent, it's so frightening to even imagine that your child is <clears throat> getting caught up in something like this. So fear may hold you back. And I can just imagine that you're dealing with parents who are just, Ter- their stomachs are churning. I can almost feel it now. You know, that, that feeling of panic, that feeling of, oh, my God, what did I do? And, you know, how do you, how do you help these parents? It's, it's really a matter of, of education. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever you enter, whether it's prevention or intervention, you just really have to start to research and immerse in in the topic and um, learn. You, you just have to, to learn about this world that you may have had absolutely no encounters with in your um, prior years, or you may have had some encounters with it, but the, the, the drug world way. is different now yeah. than yeah. it was. I mean, the old standards are there, but the new ones are yeah. in there now. Jennifer? Jennifer, we have to go on a really quick break. Will you be able to come back for the next segment just for a few minutes? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. All right. We'll be back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. 
Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Jennifer, just before we went on the break, you were talking about um, we are entering into this world that we may never have experienced before, um, the exposure that our children are getting now through the Internet and other digital devices um, to drugs. Um, So, you know, apart from being vigilant and um, making sure that um, we talk to our children and can educate them. What what do you think we can do? Say our children are, um, they're not involved in drugs, but their, their friends are. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what do we do? How can we help them? How can we introduce them to your marvelous company and, you know, sort of be supportive? Well, I think parents need to be proactive in preventing their children from experimenting with drugs. Mm-hmm. If you have a child that's not involved with drugs, you know, congratulations, and um, take a deep breath because you still have work to do. You, you need to keep your child from experimenting. I have a, a shocking definition here of what experiment, drug experimentation versus abuse is. Um, experimentation is defined as a one-time event. If your child has tried a drug more than once, then he or she is a drug user, not an experimenter. Mm -hmm. So from some parents' perspective, they would agree with that instantaneously, 100%, and they would take instant and swift, you know, helpful action if they found their child using drugs. So for the rest of us that might look at that and say, wow, I am shocked that using it more than once makes you a drug user. Mm-hmm. And that's the place where I think parents can be most, most effective, is educating their children to not even try. Because I was reading a book, um, David Sheff has a book called uh, Beautiful Boy, and he wrote this touching story about his son's addiction to methamphetamines. So his son, I guess, got clean, and then he got a book contract. So Nick Sheff, S-H-E-F-F, wrote his own book about um, 
his life as a an addicted uh, methamphetamine user. Mm-hmm. And I was reading the excerpt on Amazon, and he said, I was hooked that first time. Mm-hmm. So you're know, taking that back to experimentation. These drugs are so powerful, and the chemistry mm-hmm. in some of them is so new that you have no ability to know who's going to be the one who's going to get hooked the first time. So you want to prevent your child from even trying them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, my, that's my message to the parents that have um, you know, children that are, they, they believe are not using drugs. Mm-hmm. Good. Keep it that way. So, Jennifer, you gave us a um, website, drugfree.org. Tell us about yours, where where parents um, can go for help um, with you. Okay. Well, secretdrugtest.com, it's all Mm -hmm. one word, is a website that it's actually undergoing changes. There will be a new website out there in about a month. But it has a lot of information, a lot of links, and... um, some blog posts by me. My, mm-hmm. my true vision for it is that it will be a, a, a community, a place for parents to go and uh, share with each other. But at this point, since everything is, is new, it's, it's um, my blog posts of um, prevention and my message of being able to break the denial you know, cast the shades off of your eyes and be able to look and see what's in front of you and um, to test. If, if you choose to test, these are, are great tools because if you do the contract for prevention, it's another document I have on my website. You can download it. It's Word, so you can modify it if you wish. Um, you could have a conversation, open upfront conversation with your child and say, um, at the end of this conversation, let's sign this contract. And I think mm-hmm. students are used to signing pledges now in school, you know, pledge that they'll eat their vegetables mm-hmm. and so forth. So you, you together sign this and say, you know, we're going to do everything we can to prevent uh, drug use in mm-hmm. our home. Mm-hmm. And one component of that can be drug testing. So then your child knows that you'll conduct drug testing. Well, with my unique type of drug testing, they don't have to know when you're doing it because yeah. you're testing surfaces. They're not providing a specimen of bodily fluids of saliva mm-hmm. or urine. So you can test, and they can know that you're going to do it, and they can use it as a deterrent and a preventative um, message for their, their friends or acquaintances and say, no, I can't do that. I get tested. Mm-hmm. So, and, well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Our time has come to an end, but I'm sure I will be talking to you again because there was a lot that we didn't um, cover and we don't have time to cover everything in in great detail. But hopefully I've given my listeners um, a a feel for what you do and your website is www.secretdrugtest.com. You can go there. There I've been there. There's all kinds of information on there. And I think the main message that um, you, Jennifer, want to get out there is, parents, if you suspect that your children are using drugs or even exposed or running in circles where their peers are, you need to do something immediately. You need to save their lives. 
and not be afraid. It is nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be, it's something to be afraid of, but there are people out there who can help you. Jennifer has a doctorate in education from the University of Pittsburgh, and she is a wonderful educator, and she will be able to help you with her company. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story with us. And thank I wish you, Vivian. Every su- I wish you every success for the future, and I will definitely go on and check out your new website. Good. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my message. You're welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was very informative, and please do go on to Jennifer's website. Um, as I mentioned it, it's on my um, webpage at Toginet, and the link is right there. And um, on a little bit more lighthearted discussion here, we're um, into our last few weeks in London, so we're running around um, going to see shows. And I took my daughter to see We Will Rock You. Um, it's all the Queen's music, and it was wonderful. We had fifth row seats, and we thoroughly enjoyed the show, and my Texan delivered a car backstage, a car, a guitar backstage to be signed by the cast and musicians for the lighting fund at our church, St. George's. And then we went off to see Rock of Ages. We had another guitar signed. And, um, you know, these folk at these theatres are really, really good at taking part in good causes and charity um, causes. And again, we had these excellent seats. So um, personally, I think the Queen's show is a whole lot better. So I will not be going back a second time with my daughter. But while I was sitting waiting for the show to start, I felt something wet and cold creep into my shoe. And instinctively, I looked up. I had no idea why, because I didn't get anything on my head. And of course, there was nothing coming down from the ceiling. So I looked down and there was a steady stream of foamy beverage making its way over my foot down towards the front row. And the young man behind me leaned forward. and He was so embarrassed. He apologized. He'd kicked over his full bottle of beer. And we became fast friends for a couple of hours, discussing other shows we'd seen and critiquing them. And as the show started, we had no one sitting in front of us. It was just great. I had an unrestricted view of the stage. But during intermission, a couple came and sat in front of us. Don't you hate it when that happens? So I said to my southern gentleman sitting next to me, you should tell them to move because we paid for those two seats just so that we wouldn't have anyone sitting in front of us. And he thought that was hilarious. So he did. He leaned forward and said that to them. And they were a little bit flustered at first, but then we laughed and said, just kidding. And so we became friends with them as well. And they promised to keep their heads down. It wasn't quite the same. And I didn't have the heart to move over a few seats, you know, where there was nobody in front of me, because then I would have been sitting in front of somebody behind me. But we went and got the guitar. We went and picked up the guitar afterwards. And there's nothing better than going past all these crowds and ringing the backstage doorbell and being allowed in. Still with theatre, we went to see 39 Steps on the 4th of July since it was an American holiday, not one remembered or celebrated here in England. And we went to the Criterion at Piccadilly. And um, it's a delightful old-fashioned theatre, small and intimate. We were once again seated dead centre. I don't know what's happening with our seats these days. Fifth row again. And um, there were a lot of schoolboys in there. We were a little bit worried about having them there. We thought they'd be a bit noisy, but they weren't. They were very well behaved. And 39 Steps is based on John Buchanan's story and the Hitchcock film. And the play had four actors in it, three men and one woman. And they played 139 roles in... 100 minutes. It was witty and clever and very, very English. 
They made sitting on boxes to represent train travel look effortless as they bounced around. And whenever they opened a window, I could all but feel the blast of cold air that hit their faces or ruffled their clothing as they swished their coattails to great effect when being blown to bits by a gale in Scotland. It was very clever. The climbing out of a fast-moving train window was really realistic. And I was just completely enthralled and the sound effects were wonderful it was very funny and my blue-eyed cowboy jokingly said well at least i don't have anyone to sign a guitar i don't have to get anyone to sign a guitar so we um left the theater very uplifted and we did a lot of traveling this week all in one day we were in rugby for my aunt's funeral that was a hundred mile journey and it took forever and i've never been there before it was beautiful we went to a little village called Long Itchington, where they have the best names here in England. And um, this side of the family, there were six children. We knew nothing about them except that they were always getting themselves heard because they did madcap things like ride on the backs of lorries or tie their bikes to cars and race down the street. They were always breaking their legs or their arms. It looks just, it sounded so exciting, but my brother and I would never have been allowed to do anything like that. And... Um, and so we did that, and then after we'd finished with rugby, we caught a virgin train, fast train, from rugby back into London, and it took us 40 minutes to do the 100 miles. It was just great. And we went out to um, Leoncy to pick up my daughter. So that was a long, long day. And with that, you know, I'm going to have to finish now. So um, I've got a lot to do and such a little time left. So this week we're going to be running around doing lots of other things that we want to do. Malia gets finished over the weekend with her show, so we're going to um, you know, visit places that we loved and revisit them. But I'll be here same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my husband, um, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, not long now. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Jennifer Foster, and you, my faithful listeners. And don't forget to listen to Sandy Fowler of Heartfield Holidays right here live on Mondays at 1. And Ali Laprie is on later on today at the other end at 5 o'clock. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.